I've been given the chance to charge you all as officers and as a congregation. Officers to remind them of what the Lord has called them to do and what they are to do. And then as a congregation, how we as a congregation are to respond to them. So let me pray. Lord, we ask that you would come upon us today, that we would understand your word, Lord, that we would follow it, and that your hand of blessing would be upon this congregation as we seek to walk in the ways of obedience. Open our eyes to your word now, we ask in Christ's name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you want to open to Ezra, I'll get you there ahead of time. Ezra chapter 7, I believe in fact in the Hebrew, Ezra and Nehemiah are simply one long book. In the English we have divided them into two. Well, what's leadership about? Hmm? Let's look and see the kind of leadership that God has used throughout the years. Liars, cheaters, murderers, adulterers. Those who hate to be obedient. Well, which one are you? Mm -hmm. Uh, All of us are like that. Now, I've never murdered anybody, but I hate to say, I've had pretty bad thoughts about people in my heart. And Jesus says, isn't that the same thing? Now, I've never committed adultery, but I've looked upon women in the wrong way. I have sought to be obedient some days, and other days, mm, not so much. But yet, here I stand in, in the pulpit to be used by the Lord. So when we say that the Lord has used liars and cheaters, Abraham, uh, Isaac, David, was, he, he had a whole string of sins after his name, but yet he was a man after God's own heart. Uh, I guess the, the point is God does not call the perfect to serve. He calls the obedient to serve. He calls those whose hearts are willing and yielded to him to lead because, as I said, leadership and service They're the same thing, okay? They are the same thing. But as we look at the, you know, we, and we look at the people that the Lord has called, this is the way that he kind of works. You know, Samuel was just a boy when he was called. Remember, just a young boy, and he heard in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, yes, Lord, here I am. Isaiah said, I'm unclean. I'm not fit for leadership, but yet the Lord called him and said, yes, you're mine, and I will empower you. Your job is to simply be obedient. Saul, he's on his way to Damascus to round up some more Christians, to haul them back to Jerusalem, and yet the Lord meets him on the road and changes his life forever. So there's fishermen, and there's tax collectors, and there's half-breeds, and there's the young, and the old, and the fickle, and teenage girls, and that's the way the Lord Those are the people the Lord uses. And if we respond in the same way that that teenage girl did and said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. You can't go wrong. Because he doesn't expect you to be perfect. He expects you to be obedient and faithful to the things he lays before us. Now, I don't want you to think that God only calls the bottom of the barrel. Some of us may fit that, but he doesn't only call the bottom of the barrel to serve him. But anybody who thinks that they've been called to serve because of their outstanding personality or their their great uh, secular achievements or their superior education or the fact that you've been a a member for a long time and and by golly, it simply was your turn to lead. You put those thoughts away from your mind as fast as you can. 
They have no bearing upon your call to serve. The needed qualifications for leadership, as they're found in Timothy and Titus, are centered on a heart that is willing to serve and a personal character that reflects the continued work of Jesus Christ in your life. There are both positives and negatives to this call. You cannot be arrogant. You cannot be quick-tempered. You cannot be quarrelsome. You cannot be addicted to wine. You cannot be violent. You cannot be greedy for gain. At the same time, there are things that you have to be. You have to be above reproach. You have to be hospitable. You have to be respectable. You have to be gentle, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, trustworthy, sound in your doctrine and respected within the community. Those are things you have to be. You have to be striving to be. What is more, elders, you have to be able to teach. That's why your doctrine has to be sound. You have to know the word. You have to read the word. It has to fill your life. There's no telling when you'll receive a phone call on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. from my wife who says, oh, Randy's got the stomach flu and won't be there. Dan's out of town. You're preaching. We tried that one time. We, we tried to get Bo, and I don't think Bo would answer his phone on Sunday morning. You know, he probably had caller ID and said, oh, it's Randy. He's sick. I'm not answering the phone. <laughs> ah. How are your times of personal study and prayer? How are your times when it's you and the Lord? This church will only rise as high as its leadership. And its leadership will only be empowered in proportion to its knowledge and application of God's word. Deacons, the qualifications for you are pretty much the same. You don't have to be able to teach, but the expectation of service is so great upon you. But your doctrine must be sound as well. So who are we to be placed in positions of service and leadership? I remember in Houston, United Presbyterian Church, the church that I grew up in, the church that uh, there were several little old ladies who when I went off to seminary, they said, oh, we always knew you were going to seminary. And I said, well, where'd you get that idea? Okay, because I'm pretty sure there are people who knew me growing up or are still shaking their head. Well, I can't believe her he's a minister. You know, what is going on here? Well, that was the church in which I was elected to be an elder. And I can remember the first time that I served communion. And we had wooden trays and real glasses. Okay? And my section could probably hear the tray shaking. Uh, and it was at that point, in that act of service, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's just bread, it was Welch's grape juice. But I came to a conclusion that I had to be different than what I was because God now expected more out of me because of that position of leadership. And I, and I was young and, and scared out of my wits, but yet the Lord had placed me there. And I knew I had to dig into his word to a greater degree because of the calling that he'd placed upon my heart. I had been empowered by the Holy Spirit I'd been empowered to know the Lord, and I had to know him even more. Because if you don't view your service in that capacity, if you don't view it as a time of great blessing and stretching and service, then you'll just be going to a meeting once a month, and that won't be any fun. Okay? Your time of service can be a great blessing if you understand that it's the call of the Lord that places you there. 
God has prepared you over the course of your lifetime to serve him in the capacity to which you have been placed now. He has used your friends and your families, your work, your joys, your struggles, your failures, your weaknesses, your triumphs to shape and to mold you into what you are so that he can use you where he has placed you. Now we come to Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Ezra was the priest. Nehemiah was the builder. They worked together to get Jerusalem and the people ready for what the Lord had. Verse 10 of chapter 7. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. My friends, you have to set your hearts to study the law of the Lord, to practice it to teach his statutes and ordinances to the men and the women and the children of Central Presbyterian Church. You have received a calling and you have been given gifts. It is time to live them out to the fullest. To do this, you must fill your hearts with God's word. You each have jobs and you have lives beyond this congregation. So it's not as if you're as fortunate as me that I can sit and study for an entire day and to, to drink in the word of God. But you have to use your time wisely and fill your mind in your personal devotion time and your time of worship and study with the things of God. Take into your hearts and minds those things that will contribute to your understanding of God's word. Put aside those things in your life that will take you away from your understanding of God's word. When you seek wisdom, seek it here. Seek it here in his word. Read the Bible. If you do not value the word of God and fail to fill your hearts and minds with the truth, you will have nothing but the wisdom of men to give this congregation. And then we're in deep, deep trouble. You must be men and women of the book. Not of the world, not of the television, not of the cinema, not of the internet, but men and women of the book. It doesn't matter what the world thinks is true. It doesn't matter what the world thinks is narrow or what the world thinks is good. Your heavenly Father has given you his word. Feast upon this word. Consume it. Drink it in. The death of this church will come if the leadership fails to hold fast to the word of God. Secondly, you have to practice what the word of God says. It's not enough just to have a head full of the knowledge of scripture. It must be demonstrated in your hands and your feet and flow from the words of your mouth. The members of this church will only follow leaders who are out in front. Leadership means, you know, being out in front. That's where you have to be. You have to set the spiritual tone. Nobody takes their car to a mechanic who can't get his own car started. Okay? They want to see your spiritual development. They want to see your faithfulness in the things of the Lord. They will follow those who are faithful. No one will believe what you say or follow you if your life doesn't set an example of spiritual depth and application. Will you be perfect? No, you won't be perfect. Okay? So just put that aside. Any thought that you're not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. None of us are good enough for leadership. But the Lord calls us. He enables us. He knows that we are imperfect and we will mess up. But he will use those errors. He will use those failures if we are humble and willing before him. To the congregation. I have here in my hand a list of the elders that have served in this congregation. 
over the course of many, many years. Goes back into the beginning of the 1900s. Some of those names you know. Some of the names of elders are here in this congregation. Some have gone on to be with the Lord and others are serving in other places. People like Martha Bryant and Milton Cummings, Jeff Darwin, Bill Hatcher, Jeff Smith, Carl Terry, Virgil Upton. I mean, there's just a few of the names here. We know these are men and women of faith, of people who sought the Lord and wanted to know his word and to apply it, and they served. So these are the footsteps of the people that you walk in. They have set the tone, okay? They have gone out and they have lived it. Did they live it perfectly? No. But there will be people who come after you. And they will go, Fred Coffey, I want to be like Fred Coffey. Jane Maples, I want to be like Jane. She's gone to be with the Lord. That's the path that I want to follow. That's the path I want to follow. This list is filled with names of men and women of faith. Now every member of this congregation places their trust in the elders and the deacons. And we confirm their call of the Lord by electing them and placing ourselves in submission to their leadership. We know in our hearts and minds that they are simply just like us. They have the same nature that we do. They are subject to the same failures and foibles that the rest of us are. But the Lord has called them to lead, and he expects us to follow where they lead us as they lead us in the things of God. He charges us to pray for them, for their wisdom, their families, their spiritual growth, and their faithfulness to the things of God. Because when the elders meet on that fourth Wednesday, they are praying for you. They are studying and filling their minds with the things of God, and they are praying for you and your spiritual growth and your healing and your strengthening and your wisdom. Now, the events of the last seven years have given the leadership of this congregation plenty of opportunity to send us right off the cliff, right? We've changed denominations. We've built a building. We've acquired property. But in each step, the elders have sought the will of the Lord, humbly and faithfully. Instead of a long fall off the cliff, the leadership has led us in the paths of righteousness for the sake of our Heavenly Father. The paths of righteousness are not always easy, but that is where we are called to go. Our leaders will go there first. We will follow. We will follow. My friends, you know your elders. You know your deacons. You know they care and pray for you. You as a congregation must do the same for them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a great privilege to serve. We know everyone has schedules, time constraints, only so much energy. But Lord, when you lay your hand upon us and you call us, it is a privilege to be used and to see what you can do with men and women like us who are weak, who are sometimes disobedient, and selfish, but yet when we follow you, when we cling to the things of your word and fill our minds and hearts with it and attempt to live it out, there are things that you can do that we can't even dream or imagine of. 
for your glory and your purposes. Lord, I pray you would come upon these elders and deacons, come upon this congregation, that we might desire nothing else than to be obedient to you. Be obedient to you in the midst of our families, in the midst of work, in the midst of play, in the midst of wherever we are, Lord. Make us wise. Remind us how you call us to live. And we do these things so that you might be seen and your glory might be displayed. Lord, as we as a church move forward, we pray that we would do so in humble obedience to you. Whether anybody remembers our name, we're concerned that they remember yours in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.